Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, music interviews for serious listeners. You may have heard of our curated music discovery app. The podcast lets us dig deeper and get to know the creators of that music, as well as others that will broaden your horizons. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. Invictus from Shun Ang, and everything you heard came from his voice or his guitar. I can't really say it better than Quincy Jones did when he said, you won't believe your eyes nor your ears. He belies all stereotypes, all premonitions. I was simply blown away by both his soul and his science. His creativity and his uniqueness is astounding. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Welcome, Shun. Thank you. Thank you. So good to be here. So, you know, I read that as a child, you were a competitive gymnast and then somebody gave you a guitar and, um, and you just became obsessed. I'm curious how you, um, you know, how you settled on this direction, which is really all directions, both stylistically and in how you play the instrument. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you, how you discovered this musical brain that is Shun Eng. <laughs> well, um, I don't know. I I, uh, I really grew up in a very non-musical family. Like we didn't have music around the house. And um, I think uh, when my dad was growing up, they were very um, conservative. So, you know, any pop music was like the devil's music. You know, so I grew up pretty conservative and uh, we didn't really <clears throat> get to hear a lot of music around the house. But um, so when, when my friend brought a guitar into the gym, now, I didn't really know anything about music because <clears throat> it was like this whole other thing. And my friend brought this his guitar into the gym and uh, I asked him if, you know, to, I, I didn't ask him if he could teach me. I just sat there watching him and he asked me, you know, like, do you want to learn something? And I felt so, I felt so anointed, you know, because it was like, I didn't know that, that you could learn music. You know, I thought it was just mm. something that you were born with, you know. But um, yeah, so then uh, he taught me my first chord and then, from there, you know, I just, I was very lonely, you know, and I wasn't doing well in school. So I just put my whole, all my, my soul and emotions into music and I uh, just went on this journey. And um, in terms of like musical influences, <clears throat> there was this uh, amazing uh, finger style guitar player uh, and singer who was from Malaysia and he lived in Singapore. And uh, he was one of my most earliest influences uh, besides, of course, you know, all the greats, um, 
but uh, he was someone special to me because he he was a uh, I mean he's incredible. His name is Paul Punadorai, and uh, he passed like um, maybe eight years ago now, seven years ago. But he was just this incredible undiscovered talent. Like mm. he played guitar, you know, like like I've never seen before. I mean, to this day, and I, I've almost patterned so much of my stuff on him from my studies. You know, I just try to study how he gets that sound, and his voice is 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 incredible too. And um, yeah, he was just someone that played at the local bar, you know, and um, he was sort of that guy, and everybody knew him. And uh, I, I would go watch him every day, and he was he was a big inspiration to me. Oh, so yeah. it turns out you're not an original. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course not. <laughs> no one's entirely an original. Yeah, um, and uh, Tuck and Patty, of course, you know, who are great uh, duo. Uh, oh, Tuck Andrus, yes. Yeah, Tuck Andrus, Tommy Emanuel, all mm. these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, 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 you know, completely blown away by the guitar playing and the. Uh, the uh, the breadth of things that you can accomplish on uh, an acoustic guitar. Uh, one of the uh, things that uh, I found vexing as I listened to uh, your music is you know, there's there's two versions of you know person with guitar who sings, and there's <laughs> there's the there's the singer who's a good vocalist and realizes that to be a songwriter you got to like you know learn like four <laughs> chords and get a capo. Yeah, right. And then there's, you know, the guitar player who's technical and good, but like they can't find a good singer. So like, well, I can kind of carry a tune. So I'm going to like hold my nose and make this happen. Listening to, you know, funky thumb stuff up to homunculus. I mean, both of these elements, the vocal and the guitar sound so fully realized. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't have guessed which one came first. Like, was this like a (laughs) crazy vocalist who took up the guitar and got really good on that too? And so I'm curious as, as, as as a shy uh, person, as you describe yourself as a child, how did how did the how did you develop as a vocalist and and become what you are? It was really the second the second thing that you said. You know, it's like the guitar player that that realizes I should probably sing. <laughs> <laughs> For you know, and and um, I guess I'd always um, I'd always love um, singers. You know, I, I I like Ray Charles is probably my favorite musician of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, just at instrumental what he does with his voice. Um, but yeah, I've always had a thing for singers and it was really just more of like a way to get the music out. There weren't a lot of, uh, musicians in Singapore. I mean, the whole finger style thing kind of came, came about through cause, cause but when I learned it, I didn't really know it was called finger style. I, I was, um, sort of looking for people to play with and nobody in Singapore really wants to play the blues, you know, <laughs> or, or knows about the blues. So it, it was quite hard to look for friends to play with. So. A lot of it was just learning the bass myself and then sort of trying to do it all together, you know, and then discovering all these fingerstyle guys after. But it kind of started that way because <clears throat> and then the singing was like, OK, nobody can really get what I want. So I guess I just have to do it for now, you know, and then it just kind of went along from there. It's hard to get good help. Yeah, right. Exactly. So did um, did your parents, you know, who who had initially been against pop music and that sort of thing, did they eventually warm to the music you were making? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cute because I think for the first, maybe when I first started playing and when I first started performing professionally or doing some notable like stuff in Singapore, um, enough to impress like Asian parents, they they were <laughs> more, you know they. My dad, he's uh, he's he's 
he has a hard time like understanding why why it's good or why people like it. Be- not because he doesn't like it, because I think it just seems so abstract to him. Music. He's not even sure of what he likes or if he's mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes you ask me, is that good music? Should I be listening to that? Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't. He, he grew up so removed from it that like sometimes I just have a friend or a fan tell me after the show like your dad like came up to me in the middle of the show. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, he just came to ask me like, could you tell me why he's so good? <laughs> and then they'll have to tell him this whole thing. So, he, oh, okay, okay. Right, right, right. He's, I mean, it's sweet because he's really trying to Sort of understand. an analytical approach. Right, right, right. You know, so, but yeah, they're much, you know, they're very, very supportive now. And uh, I guess they always were, they were just, um, I guess, victims of, uh, uh, very competitive academic society, you know, and sure. the pressure is uh, in Singapore on, on on kids to succeed uh, sure. academically is so is so strong, right from an early age that it that it sort of bleeds into the parents too, you know. So the culture is it's 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 um it's it's very uh, intense, you know. So there's a lot of pressure on on everybody's end, and it's very um competitive in the sense where you know, like if you meet your friends. They'd be like, oh, how, how's your kids' results? You know, that's the first thing they ask. So yeah. it, it's, it's kind of different. <laughs> and you've written about, about being dyslexic and that presenting academic challenges yeah. for you. That, that must have been another um, factor that made the off-ramp to music really appealing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was like a whole new language, which, which was so refreshing. And I couldn't speak it yet I couldn't use it but I could tell it was something that maybe I could do I mean because with reading it was like I had been trying for I guess since I was seven and we started reading until I was probably 15 when I picked up the guitar and it wasn't getting any better so I couldn't really understand why I always felt like you know if if, if you want to do something you could you, you can do it you can mm. improve yourself but reading always remained difficult and it would be so inconsistent from day to day you know that that uh, it's just so frustrating you know, and when I found music, it was like, oh, I don't have this handicap with this, you know. Hmm. And um, I didn't feel like I was good at it or anything, but it was all I had, you know. And once you found it, were you were you totally an autodidact and just just listening to music and figuring it out on your own, yeah. or was were there were there mentor figures along the way? Pretty much. I mean, I was I was um, I was yeah listening all the time, and and I had a great uh, mentor who was. Uh, a great uh, composer from Singapore who my parents had known, um, I guess, when when they were growing up. And uh, so they introduced me to him. And uh, he, he mentored me. He, he sort of, uh, you know, it's hard to find uh, people in Singapore who, who, who know about American music or, I mean, like, 60s American music or the stuff that you want to know, you know, like Dylan or... So it's it's kind of, you know... The stuff that c- comes over to Singapore is, you know, it's more, much more mainstream, you know. So, like Hendrix, you know, you wouldn't hear that name a lot. You wouldn't mm-hmm. hear that in stores, you know. You wouldn't hear that playing on the radio. You wouldn't hear the Temptations, you know, which is kind of crazy. But, but that's just, you know, that it's a co- completely different uh, thing over there. And uh, he, he was the one that introduced me to these, to these guys, you know, like you should listen to Jimi Hendrix. I was like, Jimmy who? And I want to check him out and. Well, I actually listened to Steve Vai first, you know, because he was doing a concert in Singapore, and I was like, oh, "Who's this guitar guy with flowers on his guitar?" You know, <laughs> and I, and and then um, 
I watched him and then he would always talk about Hendrix and talk about all these other like Buddy Guy. I always hear I always always hear Buddy Guy, you know, and and then I would research Buddy Guy and and um I would go to like the CD shop in in Singapore and get like a bunch of different CDs from the blues and jazz section and um the very small blues and jazz jazz section and yeah, just try to find out, find out as much as I can about everything, you know. And what yeah. did it become an aspiration to be the kind of innovator like Jimi Hendrix and Steve Vai were for the electric guitar? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I I I wanted to do something different. If not, I wasn't going to do it at all. And I wanted to um to sort of I I was I'm I really loved the the idea of 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 a guitar and a voice. I mean. One of the things that really hit me hard, like really got me into music, was Robert Johnson, which you know, mm-hmm. coming from a Christian family, <laughs> is so is so anti. But like you know, Robert Johnson just he, I I, I what he did with the guitar and his voice is, I still love it so much. I listen to it. Sometimes was there a concern it. from your family that you actually have to go to the crossroads and meet the devil, and <laughs> sell your soul? <laughs> yeah, I felt so guilty, you know, listening to that music and and learning it. But you know, I mean. I I um I did it anyway, and I I fell in love with with uh, with the blues then, and really just the um the the single guitar and and voice thing. You know, it feels like so much more things open up. You know, when you restrict yourselves or yourself to to something. Like I always like to do something with a restriction, so that it 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 forces you you to be much more creative. Hmm. It's know? really interesting. Yeah. We've heard what would you say, Aaron? Maybe five guests say that same thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a, very it's, true. Yeah, it's a very uh, it's interesting how common a thread that is among our very creative guests. It's very true. Yeah. Yeah, I think particularly at a time in our history where there's so much available, you know, like just with like a laptop, like the the mm. possibilities of what you can do with sound are are so infinite that it's yeah. kind of overwhelming. And so, confining yourself to six strings and your and your vocal cords is kind of a, a relief. Right. Right. And and it sort of gives you something to oh it's like okay so now what can you do and it gives you that seed of creativity like okay with just this what can you do because if you learn uh, music for a while and whatever you've sort of developed whether it's sort of just playing the guitar and singing or doing in the band or playing drums I feel like after a while it gets to a point where you 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 sort of can um, express what you want to express pretty you know, I mean, at first, you know, I, I try to get to a point where what I want to express, I, I I know how to, you know, I have a I have a way to. But then it's like, there's so many ways to express this one idea, you know, and you'll never, there's so many instruments, there's so many options. But when you give yourself, okay, so just use a guitar or maybe just use one string and and uh, see what happens. And sometimes like amazing things come out of that, that you could not have done with just with two strings, you know? So sometimes I would just like remove four strings and see what I can do. And then sort of try creating the same effect of like bass and still some sort of chord like thing, but just with the E and A string or something, you know? And then it, it sort of changes you because when you look at the guitar, you, you sort of, you 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 forget the value of all these notes and and you know you forget the value but because you're so used to using all of them yeah. sometimes you just like try to limit yourself to something and then it makes you go deep instead of broad i mean for me at least yeah yeah so 
at the top of the show, we heard Invictus from your newest album, brand new album, Homunculus. And, and I commented that everything we heard was from your voice and your guitar. Before that, your, your prior albums, Funky Thumb Stuff um, in 2012, and then the Chanettes album in 2018, you were at that time doing everything all at, all at once, correct? Yeah. And so this newest album, you're still doing everything, but it's, there's more production, and we'll get into that and talk about that. But when you started out, you were d- trying to execute everything live, and you could perform it live on right. stage. Is that right? Right. That was the restriction. You know, that was how much, how far can you go? Can you, how, how much can you move? Can you do a Michael Jackson performance? Can you dance like Michael just with a guitar while you're playing and do a Chuck Berry and a Jimi Hendrix thing while doing a Tuck Andrews <laughs> thing and an Al Jarreau thing together? That was the challenge, you know. Um, and that made me creative for a while. Yeah. I'm starting to feel like I don't challenge myself enough day to day. <laughs> when, when you're playing saxophone, you know, yeah. you should do, well, or, yeah. yeah, or anything else. You should do more Chuck Berry when you're. It was interesting because you know the the Chanette's album uh, has every bit the uh, the uh, the guitar acrobatics and the uh, the stylistic um, variability, but your choice to finally add other musicians was to do just just voices, which right. I thought was interesting. And I'm, I'm mm. curious about how that uh, that collaboration came about with the Chanettes. Um, well, in in my mind, it was I I um I always like. Um, I feel like what's missing from the guitar, I mean, not missing, but what you can't really do as much is um, like extended notes, like string lines or trumpet lines, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's like Earth, Wind & Fire stuff or Tower, and Power, Tower of Power stuff because it needs that, you know, that sort of wind instrument. And I thought of, uh, you know, if you get if you get a wind thing together, but I thought, you know, what about like vocals that that did what I did, that did percussion and did all these interesting things and, It'd be almost like, but we would arrange them like instruments, you know, like horn lines, but just yeah. that they'd be singing back up. And um, I, I, I did a tour like right after, I think in 2013, uh, right, out, right out of Berkeley, I invited a professor of mine uh, from Berkeley, Berkeley, Lawrence Watson, to uh, do a, a concert with me in Singapore. And uh, he brought this, uh, he brought a band, we auditioned some Berkeley kids to um, do a show. And so we flew over and um, so he had this, uh, 
three three singers, uh, backup singers, and one of them was uh, her name was Dion, and uh, d- during their second half of the set, the second half, you know, their their bit, they did this incredible like gospel uh, arrangement, like Christmas arrangement of Joy to the World, and it was like some of the most amazing crazy music I've ever heard, and so I asked Larry like who who arranged that, and he told me Dion, so I. I called her up and I told her like hey, we'd love to work together. And then she uh, introduced me to Angel, who's the other woman, and um, Tamara, who I worked with for a while. Hold up, slow down. Who let you walk in my shoes? Gave you the right to tell me that I can't live the blues. You spent your life living for a steady pay. As I rumble in the dirt just to get by each day. Now you talk about music, hypothetical preacher. You talk about me now. Like a teacher, why you stepping on milestones? I'm busy saying, so you tell me who I am? Cause you can't stop this soul. I'm sort of glad to hear that you didn't do the vocal arrangements yourself. Yeah, that relieves some of our insecurities. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, so, I learned so much from 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 Dion because I mean she. She comes from that gospel tradition, which is really amazing. Like they, they grow up around music, which you know I'm so envious of. Like hearing that someone grows up around music and just every Sunday they're singing or they're you know, um, their their family listens to music. So I I learned so much you know about you know because as an uh, growing up Asian, it's like you don't you don't go out and go oh this is me, you know. But I kind of learned that from from Dion and Angel, you know, to just go out there and say, "This is me." I mean, they they'd be in the middle of um, like uh, some. I'm taking them around some fancy restaurant, and usually in Singapore, it's very polite. But they just burst out in song, singing, and you know, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're in harmonies. They're in two, like beautiful harmonies in the middle of like a food court, you know, or in the middle of like a beautiful like one of those London Eye. We have like a Singapore Eye thing. They're just singing inside. It's 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 just awesome i would never do that you know and i realized like that's what makes them great that you know it's whenever you know i just sing right now this is me it's but you know that's so not asian it's like okay you prepare for a concert you know and you know so i i really learned that from her that's such a thing that i usually always struggle with um just that sort of organic connection to music it's it's curious though. Like I wonder. I mean, what you've achieved uh, in music, what you've achieved with the guitar and with and with your uh, with your songs. I wonder if that. I don't think it would have been the same. I think the way that you developed, kind of, almost uh, initially, kind of in a vacuum. You know, mm-hmm. not even with like the shared musical sensibilities in the household, they even give you a sounding board for like, why, why is this? Why is this good? Right. And you and you apply you apply this, you know, kind of, um, you know, almost academic, you know, meticulous investigation into it. Like, oh, right. Robert, I gotta I gotta excavate Robert Johnson out of this. I gotta right, like right. excavate Ray Charles. And like your approach right. is incredibly unique, which I think is why it created such a 
um, uh, a unique uh, result at the end that I think probably uh, probably required that that evolution. No, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, definitely. We're going to take a quick intermission for a word from our sponsor, the Craft Brood Music app, a curated music discovery app that streams music for serious listeners. Sometimes we hear that people want to hear more of the songs we play on the podcast. To hear more Craft Brood music, download the Craft Brood Music app from the App Store or Google Play and get a free two-week trial. We'll help you discover music off the beaten path so that you become the person your friends turn to for recommendations, and we split our income with the artists. Craft Brood Music, the music discovery app for serious listeners. To hear samples and find out more about us, visit craftbroodmusic.com. And so with the new album, Homunculus, you, you, you took away some of those restrictions and allowed yourself to use the studio more as an instrument, but you mm-hmm. still were confined to your voice and your guitar. Um, tell us more about kind of how that process went and how you, uh, you know, what, what else went into that making of this album? Yeah. Um, well, it, it was more like I had music in my head first, you know, and, um, there was no real way to, I wasn't really playing the guitar very much at that time. You know, like usually I'm, I'm playing the guitar, I mean, at least to do, the songs that I did before this album, I was, I was playing the guitar every day. So I'm always finding something new and I'm always, you know, my fingers are always warm, but I, I wasn't playing for a long time, but I had, I just, sometimes music just forms in my head or it composes itself in it, in, in my head. And, and uh, sometimes um, I was at a point in my life where I was trying to push, push all of that away. Um, but uh, I couldn't really figure out how to get it out. So um, I thought, okay, I'll just record like, this ba- the baseline or something you know and then I slowly just added tracks and uh I thought okay what can I do now you know that's not sort of technical that's sort of interesting you know and I was coming at it with like a completely different lens as opposed to like what's cool for people to see what's what's awesome you know just what's interesting um what's meaningful uh what's unique and um what best represents this song and so I was sort of doing doing that and um sort of exploring exploring the guitar really I'm sort of uh trying not to play music at the same time trying to get that stuff out of my head um yeah so in a sense you were trying to distance yourself from music during this period but you were also being chased down by this this thing that wouldn't leave you alone right and maybe yeah it's a good way to put it and maybe because of that, it came out in so many layers almost. I don't know. Like, because oh. I'm, I constantly try to push it away, it just kept coming back stronger with more ideas. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's like that. Like, if I'm trying to, uh, if I have an idea for a song or just an idea popped in my head, it's like I have to write it down. And if I write it down, then it becomes, it's the same thing with the limits. You know, you write it down and what you're limited to your experience at, at that time. Mm-hmm. But if you like wait a week, like that idea changes because you're slightly, a, you're like a different person, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it sort of shifts a little bit. So as I was doing it, it kept, I guess, building on in my head. And then when I sat down to do it, like just so much stuff came out. Yeah. What was it that was making you want to take a break or push music away or get, get away from it all? Um, I think 
I think at the time I was, uh, well, so I moved to, I was in the army in the, after, you know, every Singapore kid has to serve the army for two years. And then uh, after that, I went to uh, Boston to for, on a scholarship to Berkeley. And that was when I was 22. So that was like, I left the army in May, like when I was 22 years old. And then I was at Berkeley three months later. And then three months after that, I was uh, working with, starting to work with my manager. And then three months after that, I was in Quincy Jones's living room, you know? Mm. So it was like, I just <laughs> got here, you know, I, I just, I'm just sort of knowing who I am. I just got free from Singapore, you know, yeah. I'm just, just, just trying you to find out who I am. You literally got and, out of the army. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and sort of, you know, finally, you know, I'd always wanted to come back to America because it's like where I felt like I could be something, you know, I could live my dream. And I was just trying to figure it out. I was trying to make friends, but there was that part of me that was just like, no, 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 truck ahead, just go ahead. So I was so, I was a victim of my, I guess, determination. And I didn't really spend time like making friends or 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 having very, very many friends in college or having that college experience. You know, I was sort of working through all of that. And, um, and then also, you know, Berkeley can be very competitive. So there was a lot of that, I guess, at the time. And, so I didn't really, you know, I so much of my friends had such a great time at Berkeley because of the friends they made. I mean, I still have one or two people that I met that I treasure, but for me, it was really just pushing ahead. And um, so I, it was, you know, I kind of just went along and I was less swept by this tide. And I just kept, you know, doing it because this was like my dream. And I, I gave up my Singapore citizenship, you know, to come here. So it's like, I can't go back. You know, I came here to nobody. You know, my whole family, everybody's back there. So it's like, I uh, I just left and now everything's happening. And I didn't even know if I wanted this, actually. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know if I wanted to do this. You know, like, I love music and, you know, I hadn't even thought about any of that. So I guess I, I kind of uh, also had some uh, mental health issues that I was unaware of. Um, so kind of responded. I mean, it's hard. Um, I'm sure you guys know like it's it's hard to to have a career in music to to do anything where you're a self-starter right i mean yeah, sure. it's not easy i'm sure you guys know that yeah. well and it and, becomes um, a different thing when suddenly this thing that's so fun and that everybody wants to do mm, when you're doing it 24 7 make or right. break it becomes right. a very different thing then it's it's totally different and and i you know i didn't know if i yeah i just wasn't ready for any of it you know any of it um so yeah, I just went through a lot of, um, I, I I didn't like knowingly push music away. It was just like, I just stopped. Um, this is like after the Jeanette's record? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, around that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the middle of that towards the, yeah, somewhere there. And then I, tr- I, I did a few more stuff. I kept doing it, but um, it was like my, my mental health condition was getting from bad to worse. Like. I would have like days where fi- where they're fine and then days where they're just like really bad. But as more stuff piled on and um, yeah, it's just more stuff piled on. It, it it was like I was having way more bad days than than good. And then thankfully I I uh, had a trip back to Singapore, and then I just happened to tell my parents. Uh, I can't remember how how it was that they found out about w- what had happened or something. But I yeah. 
but yeah, I was kind of, I wasn't like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do music anymore. I'm not, I'm not listening to music anymore. It was more of like. Kind of ran out of gas for a little bit. Yeah. And anytime I, I played music, it was, it, it felt, I don't know. It didn't feel right. It felt, it felt hurtful. I don't know why, you know, which is strange, especially when music, you know, sort of pulled me out of whatever I was uh, uh, doing, you know, of whatever, whatever shithole I felt like I was in and then to this other place. So then I start feeling like, oh man, is it just, is it just cycles of like, oh, actually it's going to be great. And then, and then it's actually, you know, it's actually horrible. And I thought, okay, this was life. And then slowly I started to understand that, you know, um, about my condition when I was back in Singapore and got to get some help. And um, yeah, so I, I, I wasn't like intentionally trying to, I, I think for the longest time I felt like I hate music, you know, and, and I, and um, I mean, that's like such a, such a weird thing to say, but like, that's how I really felt. And, and I, I thought maybe it's, I just hate the music industry. You know, I just hate what has happened. But at that time I was like, no, I hate music. And anytime I heard music, you know, or, or like a note somewhere, it would, it would just drive me crazy. As long as there was an interval, you know, uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah. it was music. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, do you think it was kind of a, almost a, a betrayal, this thing that had saved you in childhood mm. and, you know, given you a dream to chase and it, it, uh, it, it because the business is what it is and it's competitive and it's uncertain, it, it kind of, it kind of lets you down in a way that was a very kind of personal betrayal. Yeah, possibly. And I think maybe also like it all just happened so fast that I didn't even have time to feel like betrayed. It was just more like, um, whoa, this is it. And then this is that. And then, yeah, I, I wasn't, I don't even know what I was thinking. Like, like I, I don't even remember like most of, <laughs> Yeah, I don't even yeah. remember what I was like, you know, but I just remember thinking that like, oh, I hate, I hate this. I hate, I hate, not, not like, um, I hate my life or I hate the, what's happening now. It's like, I was holding my guitar and I hate this, you know, it's, it's really strange. But it, it, now I know that wasn't all real, you know, it, it was right. just, uh, yeah. So you went back to Singapore to, to visit, but ended up staying longer? Yeah, I, I went back to Singapore to just see family. And then, um, you know, also I think a big part of it was also I, I felt like kept away from family because when I was, um, it, it, it took a lot to get back to Singapore to, um, I mean, when I was really touring a lot, like, you know, time away from Singapore, even just time to spend with my family was, I didn't really have time for that, you know. So for those those years where it was getting worse, I you know, I pushed away the people, cl people closest to me too. And I think that was like one of the biggest mistakes mm. that, that I made to sort of like, I can't focus on you guys. Now I have a career, <laughs> you know, it's like go away family. Everything got fairly out of balance. Yeah. You know, so I think that's when you push the people away that love you, I think that's the start of a very dangerous uh, downhill path. How did you start to find your way back or be pulled back? to to music and what ultimately became this album also um it's kind of it was kind of recent actually um uh i i i actually ha i've i don't know if this should be kept on the podcast but i've actually had this i've had this album for 
almost two years, a year maybe, it's sort of sitting. And like there was a point of time where I was like, you know, because it, it goes in such phases, like how, how I'm doing and, and I was trying a bunch of different um, treatments. But but I went through phases of like, okay, I'm going to do this and it's going to be great. And then um, I'll uh, I'll print vinyls and, and I'll do this, you know, and I... I wanted to put my money into into doing that, and so I have like printed vinyls. I but which I haven't announced. Hmm. I I have like a picture disc, a disc. Uh, you know, I have two. I, I I have all that sitting around somewhere in Singapore, and and I have like I wasn't going to release the music. Actually, honestly, I was kind of like kind of done um, for the foreseeable future. But my wife uh, sort of made me put put it out because <laughs> she was like you're just going to sit in this forever. And I was like, yeah, I am, you know, and, <laughs> and she was like, that's the plan. And she, you know, I, I kind of got an earful from her. So, and I, I had, it was like kind of too much already. Cause I had said that, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I, this huge plan and then it'd just be nothing. And then I want to do nothing. And then, uh, you know, so she was like, okay, why don't you just, just put it out. And like, if, if there's somebody out there that it can help, just put it out there for that. And if you really don't, if you really don't want to um, do anything with it, um, that's up to you, you know? And, and that was kind of empowering because I don't know why, but I felt like nothing's up to me, you know? Um, so it was like, I felt pretty okay, you know, with putting that out. Um, you know, I had a whole plan, like I was going to pay for like a, a publicist and um, yeah, I just didn't want to go back into that game all over again. And, and I, I, I wasn't ready to do it. And I guess I, I figured at some point, I'm probably not going to ever be ready to put that out. And um, so I thought, yeah, I'll just put it out and people, people will still hear it and people will enjoy it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I still don't really know what I'm going to do, but I'm like happier than I've ever been not knowing like where my career is going or not. Not sort of like, I mean, it used to be crazy. Like I would be obsessed, just like how I was obsessed about the guitar. Like imagine that, but with business of music and just mm. this and that and um, just all this stuff, you know, that you have to do to be the product. And yeah, so I was just, I was just going everywhere with, with, with all of that. This yeah. first track, Invictus, the, is a setting of the William Ernest Henley poem mm. and the, the first verse reads out of the night that covers me black as the pit from pole to pole i thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul sounds like sort of a mission statement or a, or a, a <laughs> statement behind yeah. a statement of place behind the album yeah i mean I'd, I'd always admired that 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 poem and um i'd always wanted to 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 sing it and always had that melody in my head for the for for that poem um, I, you know, when I was, uh, when I liked that poem, when I was really inspired by that poem, it was, I was taking that poem very, very seriously. And then, and then when I was sort of doing it, I, it was almost, it felt a little bit more ironic or satirical, you know, when you see in the context of the rest of the album about, about being unconquerable and, you know, it's all about. You know, and and I guess you mean set it set against the vulnerability of the rest of it, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, 
Well, in the end, you have proven to be, in fact, unconquerable. So, <laughs> so as I Thank saw it so in much. the setting, it all made it, it all made perfect sense to me. Yeah, it's kind of full circle, I guess. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Thank you to your wife for being persistent and uh, <laughs> allowing this to to be out in the world so we can all enjoy it. Thanks. Uh, I'm so I'm so glad. Like, I'm so glad that it was okay that I did that. You know, because I I always like, no, nah, you got to do it right. You got to do it like this, and you know, sometimes it's more important. Like, all that's not important. You know, sometimes it's just important to let people hear it and not like making it this big thing or you know, putting so much of the business behind it. You know, sometimes it's good to just go back to what it's about, you know, just putting it out there, letting people hear it. Yeah, it's nice to let it be an yeah. expression, let it be a piece of art. Right, right. Then then at the end of that, you know, like at the end of an, I didn't want like at the end of a, an, a journey that meant something to me for it to be a product, to feel like a product, I mm-hmm. guess. You know, so this way it just, it just feels like something I did and I can just put out. And so do you think you'll play live, play some of these songs live or? I realize it's a different proposition the way they were recorded anyway. I, I If I were to, I would do it with like a band or something, like mm-hmm. as a trio, but they'd be totally different from the record. Yeah. They'd be more like a, yeah. But there are no plans to to do music right now. Now I've just been um, been uh, enjoying life and, and friends and family. It's great that you're uh, describing your life like that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I think your comment about being okay with the uncertainty is also, I think that's one of the best places to be, to mm. you know, not have your sense of well-being um, established, you know, based upon your material situation or the prospects of the future, but just being okay, you know, come what may. Right. Right. And I guess it's like, you know, honestly, what it is, is like realizing that you're not that important. So you shouldn't give a shit so much about like all this shit. Like, oh, you know, like what about this? And this this paper has to write this. And, you know, if this show, you know, it doesn't go this way or if the poster, you know, if the design, if the font isn't, you know, Helvetica, you know, it's like all this shit doesn't matter, you know? Like I am so, you know, the Wikipedia page, you know, the, the YouTube channel, it's like, it's actually just arrogance, you know? And it's actually just me, 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 you know? And that's, I think that was my biggest mistake, just making it all about me, but it's kind of hard when you're the product, you know, and you have sure. to think that way, you know, so I was just very lost, I guess. But I just learned to like, no one gives a shit about you. So it's not that <laughs> big a deal, you know, like even doing this, like, in fact, you know, I, Brian, when you asked me like earlier, like last year, I yep. was like, I was at such a different place. Even back then, I was like, I would have to be so like, oh my God, what does this mean? 
you know, and then <laughs> it would probably bug me for like forever. And, and, um, and even after it, but now it's like, it, it's fine. It's just two guys, three guys chatting and just getting to know each other. And, you know, it's, so it's kind of different. You know, I used to be way more, um, arrogant, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't work out to get you on back then. <laughs> I'm glad to be here so, now. So does, uh, does music, is music still piling up in your head? Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and what's the, what's the mechanism to get it out? Well, ideas, are, ideas have been piling in my head, like stuff that I want to say or stuff that like through my experiences that I've realized. Um, recently I've been working on writing, um, uh, I mean like prose writing, mm -hmm. uh, uh, writing some stories. Um, I was working on an, uh, animated writing and animated directing and, uh, animated short, uh, sort of based on my experience. Um, but it's a story. I mean, it's not, I'm not the character in it, but yeah, it's like a story. And then, um, I've, yeah, I mean, the ideas that I have in my head, I've, I've been writing, I've been doing, um, I'm writing like five graphic novels. I'm writing like a series, uh, I guess, sort of buffed out of this whole experience. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great because I, I still love to create and I still, still love to, to write. So a lot of the ideas that I would have, I think of putting into albums or stuff, like a lot of them now come out um, in sort of a, a narrative. And um, I still haven't decided if I'd eventually, you know, write it into music or sort of have it as the soundtrack or, you know, but um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot that I have, but currently I'm, I'm working on a, a, a graphic novel project with my wife, who's an amazing uh, artist. Hmm. Huh. And is, is the, uh, homunculus a, uh, a character or a, a concept that's going to uh, appear in another medium, like in a graphic novel or in prose? Yeah. So there's, uh, the, uh, the animated series was, uh, you know, based on, on, on the, uh, homunculus character and the, the graphic novel is, is sort of based on the concept of, uh, the homunculus in the sense of, um, it's quite meta, you know, it's, it's, it's more about, um, uh, I guess the stories are, are told through the homunculus lens, you know, now, about life and stuff. No, I looked up, I had to look up homunculus and, and read a little bit about it. And there's lots of different meanings and in, in different yeah. periods of time for our listeners. Can you, can you tell us what, you know, where, what angle you're coming at that from? Yeah. Um, so it was interesting to me about like this homunculus, I guess yeah, there are many different, I mean, there's the, the I guess, the psychology side of it where it, it, the homunculus looks like that. The drawing of homunculus is it's like a little man. And I guess the oldest one is that, you know, people used to think that there's like a little man in our head, like running everything or sort of experiencing everything. And this is and, the inspiration um, for your album cover. Yeah, right. And I guess I, I sort of felt like that. Um, I felt like the guy inside. I, I still feel like that. Like I'm, st I'm the homunculus trapped inside me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I still feel like that from time to time. Sometimes I feel like myself, but sometimes there's, I feel like this separation. And when I'm at, when I'm at that place and I write, I feel like the way that I uh, see things or I, I write, I get very, very creative when I'm, I guess, for lack of better words, the homunculus, you mm -hmm. know? And 
And uh, I really like that concept. I mean, of course, it's a fallacy because who's inside the homunculus, right? But, but it's, it's um, yeah, that's what it was based on. And it's also um, based on, uh, I guess, if you split parts of the brain up, you know, one side of it to, I guess, the sensing side and, and the other side is the, um, the yeah, expressive this, this, side. This is the, uh, the version of homunculus that I'm, I'm familiar with. My, my, uh, my, my day job is in neurology and we <gasps> use the homunculus oh. as, a, as a map for yeah. the, uh, the sensory cortex and the motor cortex and which parts of the body are represented by different uh, bundles of gray matter. When you look right, at right, right, right. Surface. So it's bigger, like the, 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 the legs are bigger because it's a smaller part of the brain, Right. Right, like so the like legs are smaller. Yeah, like there's way more sensation in like your fingertips and your and your and your palms and your face and your taste buds, your tongue. Right, so right. Are huge. So the, the homunculus looks all distorted, like a right. really, you know, creepy Picasso work. <laughs> right, right, uh, with right. Everything's distorted because the uh, you know the amount of sensory um, cortex given to to those parts of your body are much more than say you know like the the back of your knee or right, right, right. Like some if- other part. If our like how much sensory whatever we have was represented by mass, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It'd, be, it'd just be look like, and our mouth would be like the mouth is huge, right? <laughs> right. The mouth. So yeah, for for yeah for for uh, the motor cortex, the mouth, the tongue, the vocal cords, all the things that make your voice do the amazing things it does. That's a lot of a lot of computing power in the brain devoted to that. Right. Um, right. Very little to the the big you know dumb muscles in our butts. Right, right. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess when you're doing the Chuck Berry and all that other stuff, maybe maybe it's more developed than you as well, should. So I should I shouldn't be yeah. so flippant. <laughs> I, I I like that 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 version of the homunculus, that understanding of the homunculus too, because it is also kind of similar. It's like our senses, you know. I mean, it has to do with like, I guess the whole concept of just how we sense things, how we take things in, you know, is just very fascinating to me and i know it's a mouthful but um it was uh nobody really used it yet for an album so <laughs> it seemed like a good one uh, it's, a, it's a great idea and, and in, in your version of the homunculus when you are the homunculus in those moments do you feel like you have agency over what's going on around you or are those the moments that you've given up agency of uh manipulating the world and you're just um you're you're experiencing things in a more you know pure passive format yeah, I think um, when when I'm when I feel like I'm the homunculus, it's it, it's either like awesome or it's like the worst thing in the world. Mm. So it's either like um, it's either like very creative and like I can just flow, you know. I can, it's like anything anything that like how do I just explain it? It's like a it's like a web in my mind, and then like I can take anything from it. And then like I could shift stuff around, like like almost like a, like you you guys know Logic, the the mm-hmm. the music software. Yes, yes. It's like a three dimensional Logic, you know. So it's like when I'm when I'm that, it's like it can flow so easily, and it's so it's so smooth and so comfortable, and it works like it feels, and I can connect my emotions into how to express it, and I can connect it to chords and stuff, and then sometimes like. I'm like that just in like normal daily stuff or sometimes I'm just, I just feel that way or that gets, I don't know, like activated or something like dealing with something. And then it's not nice to deal with like stuff, like to deal with stuff that you can't, you know, like stuff, stuff in life, you just have to like let go 
and you just have to like, no, it's okay. Like, I don't have control over that. But it's it works for music when you have control over it. But in life, when you have control over almost nothing, you know, <laughs> yeah. to be that sensitive, I guess, for your limbic system to be so active and so I don't know. Um, that's when it, you know, I, I don't I don't like that that. And sometimes it's when I perf- when I perform and I get to be in that state, that's usually the best. But it's not always. That's an interesting observation of the different contexts. You know, if you're, say, trying to get in the zone in music, you know, very helpful. If you're trying, you know, in, in life, not so much. Yeah, not so much because you have no control over it. So it's just going to eat you up. Like, it would be like, like not being able to tune your guitar and you have to play, like, it's the most off-tuned thing, but you can't tune it. It's like not being able to do anything about mm-hmm. something that you know is so wrong and it's just a very helpless feeling, you hmm. know, but you feel you feel so much more for it than you usually would. And it's so important to you and you can see it from so many, like it's, it's stimulating on emotional and intellectual levels and it affects you on so many different levels, but you are helpless, you know, and, and, and that's like really, really horrible. <laughs> but like if it's music, then, then it's great. Sometimes I, I'm lucky enough to be able to like sort of switch that to music, like, sort of channel it but not always yeah let me out i'm sick of what it's all about let me out can anybody hear me shout i'm asleep guitar these days uh yeah i have i actually started like uh two months ago (laughs) um started playing um my uh strat (laughs) no kidding playing electric yeah so do you feel that the 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 approach is different since you you kind of had this protracted interval where you were away from the fretboard and away from that muscle memory and the things that are you know, more guitaristic about playing and like you really opened yourself up to music in its purest form in your imagination and then kind of learning how to retool that back to the guitar. Do you feel like a a shift has taken place in your playing as a result of that process? I mean, I'm way more like interested in just music now, I guess, than just guitar. You know, that's probably like the biggest shift, but I don't like, mm, yeah, I... I I don't really uh I mean yeah I, I still I still uh like dabble with I still play and for fun but it's like very short nowadays you know it's mm-hmm. like maybe 20 minutes I'm trying to slowly like get back get back into it and um but yeah it's it's it, it doesn't last very very long I mean I'm I'm sort of like I don't really want to like I'm kind of afraid to like get into something there's like a fear because the way all everything happened for me was so 
like it snowballed like how everything started for me and then I found myself at this place without even knowing it like there's almost like a old fear you know of like touching playing the guitar would mean that yeah. I'm going to go down something again that, that, that's whether a gateway it is it's a gateway to a dark place mm-hmm. right whether it's emotion I mean I guess if it's in my career now I know I can control that but yeah. I'm more worried about the emotional place and stuff so I I do it like as much as I can to like as long as it feels good, you know? For listening. Craft Brood Music, both the podcast and the music discovery app, has the mission of promoting this music and these artists. We can't do that without ears on the music. So if you like what you've heard here, we're going to ask you two small favors. First, tell someone about the podcast. Second, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Craft Brood Music app, and try a free two-week trial of the curated streaming service. For more information, visit us at craftbroodmusic.com. Thanks again, and see you next time. <laughs>